Welcome to the Wrigley Rapport Podcast. It's me, Big Cynical Ben's your host. This is the podcast for the Wrigley Rapport. You can find us and all of our articles online at medium.com slash the dash Wrigley dash Rapport, R-A-P-P-O-R-T, or you can go on medium.com and just search Wrigley Rapport. You can find us on Twitter at Wrigley Rapport. You can find this podcast on Twitter and follow us along games at Wrigley Podcast. Or you can follow me on Twitter at BigBenKC. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, and everywhere podcasts are found. Let's start off with, this is going to be a glorious second half. I just want to go on a limb right now and say the Cubs are going to finish in an amazing fashion. We're not going to hit the slowdowns that we see in the beginning of the year because after the Cubs have expectations, the past two seasons especially, they kind of slump in the first half. The second half, they're going to dominate. I'm going to tell you why. Because the consistency of the starting Cubs rotation is going to improve. How did I get there? Let's take a look. First off, we have news coming in. Phantom DL stint for Brandon Morrow on the 10-day disabled list with the right bicep inflammation. Let me just go on a limb and say f- final answer. Wade Davis is better than Araldis Chapman, who is better than Brandon Morrow. Because if you're not even able to get in the game, what's the point? This comes after the DL stint he had when he had back spasms when he was getting out of his uniform. This takes me back to when Sammy Sosa had back spasms because he sneezed too hard. Get some potassium in you. Oh my goodness. Frustrating. So frustrating. So who do we got to step up? We got Steve Sishek. We got Pedro Strope. Tilt the hat. And we have my boy... The notorious CJ. In an overtaxed bullpen, it's going to be trying when you don't have your closer. I'd like to see the Cubs move in and get another uh, arm for the bullpen because we're just being overworked. We'll see what happens. I'm not very optimistic about that. The answer to the overtaxed bullpen is right there in front of our faces, though. It is a better starting rotation that goes deeper into games. I've said this since the beginning of the season, that the Cubs have been built on a starting rotation, an elite starting rotation. And now here we're halfway through the season. We have the best record in the National League. We're in first place in the division. And we haven't even had elite performance from our rotation. We've had elite performance from one man, the one and only, the Yankee killer, the... World Series ring holder, John Lefter Reims. Woof. Lester's been owning it this year. He's running number two in the second half in the rotation. You got the professor, Kyle Hendricks, first off, and the second is John Lester. Third, they're throwing Mike Montgomery out there. Fourth is base on balls, Tyler Chatwood. And then they're running Q out there as number five in the rotation. Well, Darvish is going to return. Eventually, you kind of got to play him with kid gloves. We've seen what he can do. We've seen Darvish's potential. I believe in Darvish's potential. I 
trust me on this one. Hugh Darvish is going to come back, and he's going to be great. And everybody who's doubting him right now, who's saying he's just an overpaid athlete on the disabled list all the time, is going to see him come out and throw BBs. Because better pitching supported by better defense works together to make a better overall defensive approach. The problem with Cubs rotation is that you Darvish and Jose Quintana are susceptible to pressure. They're susceptible to pressure when there's a lot of pressure riding on them due to an offense that's not producing, due to a bullpen that's lacking, due to a losing streak, due to a slump, to pull the whole team out of it. When you're a starter and you're standing on the hill and you have to feel like you need to throw a perfect game or a one-run game for the opposition just to give your guys a chance, that is a lot more pressure than if you're going up there knowing your guys are going to score 10 and you're just looking for a quality start. Because that's what baseball should be for the Chicago Cubs with this lineup. Be looking to throw a quality start, have your guys on offense come pick you up, win by two or three runs, coast to an easy six or seven innings. It hasn't been the case, though. Our offense has been slumping. Guys haven't been hitting. They've they had a bad approach for most of the first half. They've had to been reworked by Chili Davis in the locker room, and something clicked in Los Angeles. And they turned from a team who was home run dependent into a team that was keep the line moving, singles and doubles, bunts, aggressive base running, Javi stealing home and taking the number one spot on ESPN Top 10. That's what I got to see. That's my boy. Hendricks has apparently worked out his mechanics problems. I've said before, I think it's a he- I think it's all in his head. But you know, as long as he's fixing it, that's what the goal needs to be. We're all working toward consistency in our pitching. Because consistency wins championships. If we did have the injury to Darvish and Morrow, we'd be a lot better off. But that's where it hits the hits the hits the skids. Offense has not had a lot of injuries this season. We lost Chris. We lost. We lost Chris Bryant. We lost the MVP, but he's back. And here's the thing: the team got better without Chris. The team found a way to win when the superstar was down because guys found it within themselves to push a little harder, to dig a little deeper, to do a little more film review, do a little more scouting, reading in the scouting report, taking it all in. Because they knew that they couldn't rely on KB to bail him out. Rizzo's been slumping. They know they can rely on Rizzo to bring him out. So it's been hits. It's been singles. It's been doubles. That's been the big difference. The streakiness in the early part of the season is due to young players. Pressure to perform when everybody's slumping. You see... We're using the home run ball as a crutch. We're trying to put one over the wall to get things turned around. Well, that's not going to turn the game around. If anything, it's going to come momentum. That's what baseball fans don't realize. Home runs look pretty, 
the Alfonso Soriano approach. You hit a, a, a solo shot in the seventh inning when we're losing by six. Yeah, it looks pretty, but it doesn't do anything. It clears the bases. It ends any momentum we had on the base pass for that inning. It doesn't solve anything. It kills momentum just as much as a strikeout. Home runs kill momentum. Now, if it's a grand slam, three-run home run to tie it, that's different. But I'm talking about guys who take it upon themselves to swing for the fences when the bases are empty and we're losing by four. That approach was killing us, and apparently it has changed. And if it has changed for the rest of the season, we're looking at a team who's going to go into the playoffs easily winning their division, running away with it. And Chili Davis needs a raise. So I hear rumors. I hear rumors on uh, of Jacob DeGrom possibly coming to the Cubs. Possible? Well, there's a report on ESPN. We'd only have to give up a couple guys. Ian Happ, Tommy LaStella, and a couple other prospects from down the way. You know what? I'm okay with that. You take Happ. You take LaStella. Knock yourselves out. Jacob DeGrom's been the best pitcher in the arguably the best pitcher in Major League Baseball this season, and he would make this rotation more elite than it already is. But here's here's the deal. Look at look at me. Just stop what you're doing. And look at me. The Cubs cannot acquire pitching as a fix for all the problems. They can't. Another pitcher is not going to solve all the problems. Will it help? Absolutely. But you can't put it all on pitching. Because if you can't score any runs, you're going to lose in the 19th inning, but you're still going to lose the game. Pitching cracks under pressure. So how do you how do you take pressure off of the pitching? You would do two things. You either A, you score more runs, or B... You improve your defense behind the pitchers. Okay? Good defense makes solid pitching look good. Great defense makes good pitching look great. And elite defense makes great pitching elite. Okay? You build it off the backs of your guys in the outfield. You build it off the backs of your middle infielders. That's where the defensive prowess has got to come from. That's where the Cubs have to be strong. Take the pressure off the pitchers. The pitchers easily focus. Take the pressure off of the hitters. Because the hitters know they can go up there and relax. Just get on base. Keep the line moving. That's the recipe for World Series. World Series contender. World Series winning Chicago Cubs. And I like it. I like where this team's going. I saw on the news this morning, on well, not the news, on ESPN. And I know I'm a sports nut. Sue me. They don't play Fox Sports 1 at my gym on the treadmill, so I got to deal with it. The big story about the shift and how this shift has affected baseball. And how the shift has made it easier for pitchers because pitchers are able to run their pitches into the zone more often if they think that the shift is taking away a strong suit for a hitter. Here's the thing. Sports is a constant game of adjustment. In football, 
The defense adjusts to offenses. Offenses readjust the defenses. It's a constant game of adjustment. I talk about this a lot. Offenses are adjusting to the shift. And offenses will continue to adjust to the shift until they beat it. This isn't Ted Williams and the 1948 World Series. This is hitters now that have videotape, that have scouting reports, that go out and can push the ball the other way. And the hitters have started doing this. Defense, the offense isn't static. The offense is dynamic. It changes with the game. And the defense has created a new level with the shift to get inside players' heads. Players got to shake it off and go the other way. And here's why they're not. It's because they're young kids. They're young 20-somethings getting paid millions of dollars. And you know, if you mix young, testosterone-filled kids and lots of money and lots of success... You get a lot of pride. There's a lot of pride inside of a Major League Baseball's head. About Major League Baseball hitter's head. Okay? And because of that pride, they think they're going to beat the shift by hitting it through the shift to the wall, in the gap. I'm going to show these guys what I'm going to do. They're trying to shift on me. No. Not what you do, Javi. Not what you do, Schwarber. Not what you do. Rizzo, you push the ball to the other side. You push the ball to the side where there's only one dude. There's one guy between second and third base, and you push it over his head. Because you don't need to try to be a hero. You don't need to try to to beat the shift through the shift. You beat the shift by going away from the shift. Okay? You put your pride in your back pocket, you swallow it hard, and you go the other way. Because base runners score runs win games, win championships. The only way we're going to get Darvish and Q pitching at 100% is if we start scoring more runs. And if I see Schwarber ground into the shift one more time, I swear, I'm going to fly up there to Chicago and we're going to have a conversation. Goodness gracious. It's going to backfire. Offense is going to figure out how to beat the shift by going the other way, swallowing their pride, putting it away, and and sacrificing what could be a home run for a single for the team. Because that's how you win championships. When guys willingly put away the glory of the Sports Center top 10 in the batter's box and do what's right for the team, that gets you rings. And the last time I checked, that's what we're in this business for winning rings. Well, thanks for listening. We got an interview with Ryan Tatch on the other side, so stay close. In case you haven't heard, the Wrigley Report now has sponsors. That's right, Wrigleyville Sports is taking a chance on us. They're sponsoring our program, and right now, Wrigleyville Sports has a deal. Enter Spring Ship 18 at checkout and you get free shipping on orders over $25. And I got to tell you, I just saw the new July 4th 5950 caps that came in. Beautiful stars and stripes on that Cubby C. The navy blue pinstripes with the stars in the Cubs logo for the jersey. It is a thing of beauty for the 4th of July, just in time for the Midsummer Classic. And you can get yours today at WrigleyvilleSports.com. You can check out their 
specials on Twitter at Wrigleyville Sports. Or you can walk into their store right across from Wrigley Field, Chicago, Illinois, every day. Again, that's promo code SPRINGSHIP18. Get free shipping on orders over 25 bucks. Check it out. WrigleyvilleSports.com. Welcome back to the Wrigley Report podcast. This big cynical man. I'm on the line with Ryan Tadish. How you doing, Ryan? I am good. How are you? Not too shabby. All right, Mr. Elite Analyst. Let's get right to the hot news of the day, the trades. We'll follow it up with Cubs rotation and finish it off with all-star weekend break reactions. Let's start at the top. Today came down hard. The news, Padres trade Brad Hand to the Indians. With Adam Clymer, Padres get catcher Francisco Mejia in return. What do you think this means for the Indians? Um, I think this um, I think this means that the Indians are a little concerned about their bullpen. Obviously, we know that you know from when we played him in 2016 with you know Cody Allen down there and um, Andrew Miller, but Allen has struggled a lot this year. Um, and I feel like they making that move signals that they saw that there's a weakness in that bullpen, and if they want to compete, they're going to need to uh, upgrade that bullpen. So I'm looking, uh, Cleveland right now sits at 52 and 43, and that would put them sixth place in the American League behind Boston, Houston, New York, Seattle, and Oakland. Do you think this, this move uh, improves their outlook on the postseason, or are they just – fighting to stay relevant um i mean i think it improves i it definitely improves their bullpen a little bit although brad hand hasn't been a surefire thing this year either he's blown a couple of games um and the cubs uh, he just blew a game the other day against the cubs when the the game tying double off him off of him in the ninth inning so he hasn't been that lockdown guy that you would normally expect um um, and Simber, I know, is kind of young, so but they didn't really give up much, honestly, for him. I mean, you got two relievers in exchange for, you know, a catcher who's um, the 24th-ranked prospect in baseball, which is still, you know, pretty impressive. But to get two guys for one, um, they kind of have to like that deal. So you think Cleveland cleaned up with the deal and he is not necessarily a blue chipper? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that to give up that the Padres gave up two relievers, um, one who has been, you know, a pretty solid closer, and then another younger up-and-coming guy just for kind of one, um, you know, prospect, although it is a catching prospect, and they and they desperately need catching because, you know, if you saw that Cubs-Padres series, Austin Hedges is not very good at catching. Um, he made some pretty bad throws on steals, and he just looked all over the place. Um, so they definitely need an upgrade on catching, so that's probably why they were ready to pull the trigger on that. Being in the weakest division in baseball kind of puts Cleveland at a disadvantage where they don't have to force themselves to win an innumerable amount of games in order to make the, the postseason without having to have that one-game playoff. Do you think it's going to be an asset going into the run for the Indians where they don't have to expel a lot of energy down the stretch? It could be, because um, they obviously know, like you said, um, they're in the weakest division. Um, you know, you don't need to win 100 games to win that division like the other two divisions look like. 
Um, but however, you know, the other three teams, at least Boston, you know, Yankees and Houston are powerhouse teams. So it's going to take a lot to beat them. Um, so they know that they need that pitching. You know, they got the starting pitching for the most part. You have Kluber, who's been having a great season. Um, but when that back end of your bullpen, especially, you know, those eighth and ninth inning guys are struggling, um, it's going to be very, very tough to win um, in the playoffs if you don't have a lockdown reliever. Um, and I think that's what they're hoping they're getting in Brad Hand. But like I said, he has been far from lockdown this year um, if you look at his numbers. Maybe they're hoping a change of scenery will do him good, maybe a new pitching coach. Uh, moving on to more blockbuster trades, the worst-kept secret in Los Angeles finally went down. Manny Machado went to the Dodgers. The Dodgers received in return outfield Usnel Diaz, right-handed pitcher Dean Kramer, Zach Pop, third baseman Ryland Bannon, and infielder Bravey Valera. I might be dicing up those names, but what do you think this means for the Dodgers? Think this puts them as the team to beat in the National League? Um, I'm not sure if it puts them as the team to beat in the National League, but it definitely, I think, makes them the strongest team in the West um, and definitely puts them towards the top of the National League. Um, They still have a lot of guys that are injured, um, on that season, and they've been able to turn their season around after a slow start. And adding Machado definitely uh, will help that will, will help the offense. But there's still some you know question marks. You know, Kershaw still you know is bouncing back and forth. He gets hurt. He comes back. You don't really know what to expect out of him um, anymore. And so it definitely helps them, no doubt, and definitely makes them one of the top teams again. Um, but they still have some other question marks that I don't think it's just automatic because they got Machado that, you know, they're the team to beat now. So the Orioles, obvious rebuilding. The uh, blue chip outfielder, Diaz, who hit two home runs in the Futures game. Uh, these five players, you think that this is the road to recovery for the Orioles, or do you think they still have a long way to go? Um, I mean, it's a good start. Um, it's kind of interesting to look at because – um, I was talking to one of my buddies the other day, uh, just yesterday, about it, where he thought that um, the Orioles should have got more for Machado because, I mean, the Cubs, when they traded for Chapman, who was a closer, gave up their number one prospect. And, you know, the um, all the, the uh, Dodgers got, you know, two guys in the top 100, um, but none of them are – neither Diaz, I think, was their number four um, and the other guy was ranked in the top 100, but I don't think he was in the top 30 for the Dodgers. And then the other guys are, you know, lower-level prospects. So um, for as hyped up as they talked about Machado, I'm surprised there wasn't, like, uh, a little bit more of a haul that uh, the Orioles wanted. Um, but, you know, that organization has done some strange things over the years, so who knows. Well, when Ken Rosenthal accosted Manny Machado on the field, he put out a tweet later that said Cash was going to be involved in the trade, and at the last minute, Cash disappeared. I'm not so sure this gets the Orioles anywhere, really. And they just Because everybody knew they were trading Manny. I mean, they're going nowhere fast. They peaked in 2015, 2014, 2015, about there, and um, you got to start somewhere. So they've got to get more homegrown talent. I think uh, more or less – you're right about them getting fleeced for the Dodgers, though. Uh, Manny's definitely the big haul this uh, this trade deadline so far. 
Yeah, for sure. And I agree with that, especially if, you know, Machado re, uh, signs with the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers are a team that's totally capable of of re-signing, you know, him, uh, Machado to a long-term deal come free agency at the end of the season. Um, so if they end up are able to execute that and gave up what they gave up for him, then, it, then it's a huge win for, for the Dodgers. And that's why, you know, I know Milwaukee's name was thrown in there. And I was like, honestly – you know, obviously, from a Cubs standpoint, we wouldn't have wanted Machado to go to Milwaukee. But I was like, I don't think that's the right move for Milwaukee, a young up-and-coming team who who has a bright future ahead to give up all this talent for a guy that they're only going to have for two months because there's no way Milwaukee is going to be able to pay Manny Machado and re-sign him in the offseason because they don't have that kind of money. Um, and I don't think it was worth it for them to gamble that much of their farm system um, just to get him when you when, – as as good as Milwaukee's been this year, they know it's still going to be a tough fight uh, to get ahead of the Cubs in that division, and they still know that if you know our rotation and everything comes together, um, it's going to still be tough to get ahead uh, to get ahead of us at the end of the season. With the Dodgers checkbook, no player that goes there is automatically they can just pay for whatever they want to, and that's going to that's going to put them in a position where I think they can make it back to the NLCS before they lose to the Cubs again. Let's hope. Um, moving on to the Cubs news. We're talking about the rotation, the second half. Uh, it lines out uh, Hendricks, Lester, Montgomery, Chatwood, and Quintana is the rotation at the beginning of the second half. Chatwood's still there. Um, Darvish is coming back. Uh, what, what, what do we need to do to make sure our rotation attains that elite level that we were promised at the beginning of the season? They got to pitch that way. As, as you heard Theo say multiple times, a lot of the, the answers to their problems are on the roster. You know, Hendricks has to pitch like Hendricks. Darvish has to come back healthy and look like the U Darvish we thought we were getting. Quintana's got to pitch with more consistency. Um, and Lester keeps doing what he's doing, and they'll be fine. Um, you know, that that's basically the answer. And I, I really think that Hendricks will – will look more like the Hendricks that we're used to in that second half. We saw that in his uh, last couple of starts. He said he had some a couple of mechanical issues that he worked out. Um, so I think that's fine. I'm a little more skeptical, skeptical of Quintana um, just because he's just been all over the place. And even in the starts in which he's done well, um, it still hasn't been that, you know, like dominant convincing fashion. Um, that you're used to seeing from Quintana. So he he uh, is a little more um, – I'm a little more concerned about him. Darvish, I think once he's healthy, um, he'll be okay. Um, he was starting to turn it around before he got hurt. Um, I think once he gets hurt and once he comes, excuse me, comes back from the injury, um, that I think he's going to put up a strong uh, second half for us and uh, hopefully um, bolster that rotation. Uh, how I look at it with Q is adrenaline is not his friend. When he thinks he's got to throw a no-hitter or a one-run ball game, he gets hyped up, and then he kind of loses his ability to focus in his pitches because he's overthrowing just the touch. Uh, I think if if Hendricks picks up or when Darvish comes back and he picks up and there's not as much pressure on Q-Man going out there and taking a win, I think he's going to relax a little bit. He's going to start hitting his spots more. I think it's going to settle down a lot more of the rotation if we have three pitchers pitching well as opposed to just the one consistency in Leicester thus far. 
Yeah, I completely agree. That so was the one th- thing. That, that was the one thing I said about Quintana when he was on the Sox, and he was being, he was their ace last year, and I and he was struggling, and I said Cause he's not an ace pitcher, and I don't think he can handle that pressure of being the number one starter. So being able to come over to the Cubs where he could slot into like the third spot in that rotation, you know, third or four, and allows him to relax. But because everybody has struggled in the rotation, you know, except for Lester, it's put the pressure on him a little bit more, and I'm not sure if he, like you said, is able to handle that pressure. Lester's that type of guy where, you know, if the Cubs have lost five in a row and Lester's due up, you could trust that he's going to go out there and, and put up a good outing for you and be that stopper under those high-pressure situations. Jake Arrieta obviously was very, very good at that too. Quintana – not so much. Hendricks is like that, too. I would fully trust Hendricks in one of those situations, too, under that pressure. Um, but Quintana, he's the one that I think, yeah, that's why I think, you know, they put him in that number five spot, essentially, um, in the rotation. So he'll have a nice long break because he pitched, what, the third or fourth game before the All-Star break now. So he's going to have a nice, like, week and a half in between starts. Um, so hopefully uh, hopefully that uh, bodes well, although that uh, – combination of Montgomery and Chatwood on that double header on Saturday uh, yes. doesn't doesn't really raise too many well could turn uh, very ugly on that double header day so hopefully uh, those guys are able to pitch well because Montgomery's last couple of starts have uh, not been pretty either so I'm surprised they wanted to put both of those guys on a double header but we'll see I think Quintana and Darvish are the similar in that perspective where if there's not a lot of pressure, they can pitch better and focus easier and relax up on the hill. And that's why as soon as we can get to a point where we can get injury free, we can hit some smooth water against some bad teams and the pitchers can start bearing down, they will find their confidence and we're going to sail into the playoffs. I, I can't believe I'm this optimistic. All right, moving on. Uh, some takeaways from the All-Star game. What you, would you, what'd you like in our boys this weekend? Um, well, first of all, I thought they all did great. Um, the, um, I've, I've always been a person – I've never, like, followed the Home Run Derby intensely. Um, it's always been a, one of those things that's fun, but then you see over the years that not a lot of the top guys in there um, are, um, for, you know, participate in it, and it's like it kind of diminishes the effect of it. After they switched to this whole timed format thing, I was like – I was a little skeptical of that, but I actually watched it a little bit more this time since Schwarber and Baez were in it. Um, and it's fun. It really is fun to watch, um, even when you have some guys that probably don't really shouldn't be there. Um, but um, it, I think it really shows how hard it is to hit a home run, even in a in a home run derby when guy you know when you got guys just lobbing pitches at you. You can see how much energy it takes out of you. I mean, Schwarber was gassed at the end of that uh, at that final round, um, and even so, I think the farthest ball hit was only 479 by Baez. So I think it shows you that it's not just as easy as a, you know as you think to just go up there and lock, uh, being lobbed to pitch and crank it, you know, 460, 470 feet. Um, but you know, it's a fun little thing to watch. You know, obviously. There's gonna be there's a you know a little bit of controversy surrounding it because of the whole Harper thing at the end there, um, and you know it it is it doesn't bother me either way one way or the other, but you know I'm I'm not a huge fan of Bryce Harper. Um, I, I kind of see him as the LeBron James of Major League Baseball. 
Um, I think he's got a gigantic ego, um, and I personally don't think that he'd be a good clubhouse fit um, on the Cubs, but that's just my opinion on it. Obviously, if the Cubs went out and got him in the offseason, I'd be more than happy to have him because I was kind of the same thing with you, Darvish. I wasn't too keen on him um, going into the offseason. Um, but, I mean, to have a guy, I look at it as I don't know if I want to have a guy who basically openly admitted that he was cheating and was going to do whatever he could do to win the home run derby. Like, it's a meaningless I know you're in front of your home fans or whatever, but it's still a meaningless thing. Why would you, you know, go through all that trouble just to win some, you know, little trophy at a meaningless home run derby thing? Because, again, he wants to feed his alter ego. That's why he wanted to do it. Um, but you got to like what Schwarber did. He put up a great performance. It was fun to watch him. I really hope he gets a chance to do it again. Um, Contreras and Baez both uh, did well in the All-Star game. Um, I know Contreras had a home run. Baez had a, had a base hit. So, Overall, you got to be happy with the Cubs showing in the uh, in the All Star game. Yeah, the bright spots where the announcers couldn't even get it out how good the pitching was going to be at the top of the first before Javi had his first hit. Oh, it was priceless. And everybody's talking about how Contreras shouldn't be there, and he plops a home run on the first pitch. That was beautiful. I always love shoving it down the throats of these right. announcers. Well, I mean, when you, when you look at it, there's a lot of times there's some guys that get in, you know, as fill-ins for injured players, and you look at their stats and you're like, they really deserve to be here. I know Contreras haven't been there that year, but it's not all about just power numbers when it comes to the game either. So I think that'll take it from there. Ryan, where can they find you on Twitter? Ryan underscore Tadich on Twitter, and he is our elite analyst. Thanks for coming on the show, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yep, no.